This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 148. That's kind of my goal. I, I've always liked to be lazy. So I wanted to find out how I can be lazy. I, that's why I don't do a nine to five job. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Brandon Turner. Hey, Josh. So let's talk about the uh, World Series. Really? Because last week you were really, really cocky really? about uh, yeah, about how good they were going to be. And uh, they, uh, who is they? the Mets? The Mets. You even yes. called me Mr. Met. And uh, you yeah, know, the bobblehead. Yep. But at the end of the day, as everyone knows who listened to last week's, you right. made a gigantic fool of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I did not make a fool. The Mets, on the other hand, they made, made a, gigantic- a fool of themselves. Yeah, they lost, man. I mean, listen. At the end of the day. Two two pretty good teams going up against each other. Great baseball games to watch, except if you're a Met fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't make ten errors in the World Series and expect to win. It just it, it's not going to happen. So we lost. We 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 lost, and that's, that's it. it. So you know, yeah, thanks. You know, salt in your eye. I appreciate yeah, it. No problem. Let me give you I a nice paper cut and pour some lemon juice on it while you're at yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's All do right. it. Hey, so so how you doing? I'm actually doing really really well. In the words yeah. of Dave Ramsey, better than I deserve. Ooh, very nice. <laughs> that's his. That's his thing. That's great. How's your How's your hand recovering? Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'll show you it. I don't know. You can. There's the one wound, oh, oh. and there's the other wound. I took the bandaid off today. Yeah, I was taking out some laminate countertop out of my kitchen counters because I'm putting new counters in. So I was taking the laminate off because the company I hired Lowe's to come in and do it, which is great. And uh, but then they're like, "Well, you have to demo the counter before we can come and measure." And uh, anyway, end of the day. They, uh, I had to pull it out myself and I cut my hand all up pretty deep. So that's fun. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah why, why don't you ask me how I'm doing? So today's guest is Naz. <laughs> oh, Josh, how are you doing? What's new? I heard you got a new office and, uh, yeah, stuff. I mean, come on. This is, this is, this is big news. Yeah, we, we did. We got a new office. It's very exciting. We actually will. By the time this airs, we will have just moved in at the time of this recording. We, I heard you got lost at Ikea yesterday for nine hours. We, we <laughs> had a, a bit of an Ikea adventure, nice. uh, a few of us, and we left non-divorced. So, nice. you know, the rumors aren't true. Although I, I heard they found you crying underneath one of those like Swedish beds and it was, it was a I was sad just, moment. I was, I was wanting and longing for my meatballs. I, I know you were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it was great. We're very excited. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully the next show will be recorded from our new studio. So uh, we'll see. But uh, let's let's get to today's show. We've got an amazing show for you guys. Yeah. And before we do, let's uh, get today's quick tip. tip. All right, guys. Today's quick tip is we talked about this in previous shows, but I just want to make sure that you did not miss it. We have launched a Bigger Pockets Android mobile app. You guys have been begging for this for years now. And it's there. It's out. People are starting to use it. We're getting great feedback on it. Uh, we actually are also improving our Bigger Pockets iOS app, uh, adding some new features to that uh, very shortly, if not already by the time you listen to this. Yeah, like the so, keyword alerts and instant messaging and all that, right? 
Private messaging, things Private like messaging, that. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna be yeah, awesome. yeah. So if uh, if you have not yet downloaded the app on your iOS or Android device, go to the stores, the Google Play or, or iOS App Store, and download it. Check it out. That's today's quick tip. Quick tip. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I lock my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, guys, today's show, really, really cool show. This is, by the way, show 148 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, you can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 148. And if you're on iTunes, oh, by the way, Android is launching a podcast app. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're in the, in the new Android podcast marketplace, even though it hasn't yet launched. 
So if you also are an Android person, uh, definitely download that app now or whenever it comes out and uh, make sure to, to get our podcast and leave us ratings and reviews there, guys. Uh, also do it on iTunes. That definitely helps us. And we're, we're climbing up there in the rankings on the number of ratings and reviews we have. So keep yeah. them coming. Keep them coming. We, we definitely appreciate them and they help us out. Uh, but today's show, guys, Naz Wang is our guest. She is a real estate investor from San Francisco. So for everybody listening who's thinking, hey, I live in New York, Miami, San Francisco, wherever the heck you are, and I can't invest because I'm in a big city, please stay tuned because you will find out exactly how this wonderful woman is out there and making things happen. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're really excited. Great show, great energy, and there's a whole lot of cool stuff to learn from her. So pay attention and uh, let's bring her on. All right, Naz, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Great to be here. That was the first time Josh got your name correct, and that was the uh, what the third time we started this introduction. You, you know what? Exactly. <laughs> can, can you blame me? Can you blame me? I can blame you, but that's okay. That's okay. I, I you know, it's it's hard. It's naz hard. like jazz, right? It's, naz it's, like it's, jazz. Exactly. Like naz like razzmatazz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Naz, welcome to the show. Uh, who are you? What do you do? How'd you get into real estate? Let's start there. I am a human. Good. <laughs> get that cleared up. I'm glad um, we didn't book the Android. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, I am from California and uh, I've been in real estate for maybe about, what, nine, ten years or so. Okay. So. Uh, now, you're not just in California. You're in like San Francisco, right? Like the most expensive <laughs> city on planet Earth, pretty much, right? <laughs> I was trying not to bring that up so that people <laughs> don't discriminate against me because apparently it's. There's a reputation out there for people who live in San Francisco. Apparently, yeah, there is. I live in San Francisco. I do. All right. Okay. Excellent. Okay. And that's that's why I want to talk to you today because so many people are always like, I can't invest I can't in real invest. estate. I can't invest. I'm in San Francisco. You it's know, impossible. Yeah, or I can't LA, it. New, York, New York, Denver, whatever. Right. Everyone's yeah, got their yeah. reason why they can't invest because they live in a big city. So yeah. that's why. So I want to find out today. Today we're going to pick your brain and find out how the heck are you investing, even though you live in San Francisco. So why don't we start though at the very beginning? What was your very first deal? Uh, well, I want to go before that. Fine, forget fine. forget her first deal. Like why why real estate? How'd you actually? I'm taking over. I'm in charge. Take over. Here. I don't want this. There you go. I How? can see who's wearing the pants. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. And, and the frightening thing is, I think Brandon probably podcasts with no pants half the time. So, probably, you know, you know. That's the irony. I got here. jeans on today. Uh, it's okay. Oh, nice. Oh, thank nice. you. All right. So, so what got you into real estate? Like, why, why invest in real estate? What, you, what, you know, what was the impetus? I, I thought about this story for a long time yesterday, um, whether I should tell you or not, because my mom might be listening to this, you know, <laughs> next week. So, hi, mom. Try not to offend her, but you know, I'm my mom's a big entrepreneur. She owned this clothing factory in China. Actually, she ran it for decades, selling a lot of clothes all over the world. So, she was one of those types who would just kind of earn a lot of money and spend a lot too. And, you know, at some point of her career, I kind of looked at her, I was about to go to college, 18 or something. And I thought, wow, like she does all this work, she makes all this money. And the most reliable asset she has after 20 years of being in the business was two pieces of real estate and some cash in the bank account. So I'm like, well, okay, why, why all this work? Why don't I just start with real estate and cash in the bank account? So that's kind of how I really wanted to get into real estate. It's kind of like, okay, well, just get to the end. And then, yeah, yeah that's how I started. Cool. 
That's awesome. So she, you know, through the course of, of her business had picked up some property. Was was that property in China or was it in, in the US? It was actually in China, yeah. It was a primary residence that she had, which is like this high end condo. Um, that she still owns, and then a vacation cabin somewhere in the country. Hey, Brandon, why did you book Naz and not her mom? I don't really, you know what I mean? She sounds far more interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next right, show. Next show. All right, good. good. All right, so we got you. You see your mom's doing all this stuff, and, and you say, you know, how old were you? Were you in college? Were you just out of school? Oh, no, you were 18, you said. Yeah, I was going on to college. I was trying to pick a major, actually. That was kind of the college edu- uh, application, right? So... I picked um, political science, of course. Sure, that helps with race. I, I didn't. I didn't finish up with that. Yeah, That's nice, That's cool. Nice. So, how did how did, how did that transition kind of get you to, to actually get started in, in the business? Well, uh, at college, I ended up renting a house that was a four bedroom house, and at the time, I hated my roommates, and I didn't want to. F- I didn't have anyone to kind of move into besides you know one other guy. So I said, well, you know, this house is a good deal. Let's rent it and figure out what to do after. So I ended up sort of subleasing all the rooms out and ended up paying almost nothing for, you know, a few years living in this huge house because I was sort of house hacking in a way. Yeah. And then I thought, whoa, great. That was easy. Doing nothing and kind of getting paid. So I want to be a landlord. That's kind of how I got started. Nice. I actually did the same. I, in college, I rented a four bedroom apartment and I ended up living on the couch because I rented out all the bedrooms because I realized how awesome it was to be making money and yeah. I was in college so I could live on the couch. So, yeah, you know. That's exactly. acceptable then. So yeah. couch surfing your own house. I did. Yeah. And I rented them all out. Oh, okay. that's cool. So that, right. gave, that gave you the inspiration then. You said, I want to get, you know, I want to be a landlord. So that's what you do. You are buy and hold investor. Is that right? Yes, I am. Okay. I so am. let's talk about your first deal then. then. Uh, uh, how did you buy your first property of your own? Um, yeah. So that was like the biggest mistake I've ever made in my oh, career. Good. So that would be fun to talk about. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> Um, freshly married, you know, out of college, she's got this great job and husband's got this great job. We're getting all cocky and we're like, oh, let's go buy a primary residence. Let's see how much we can afford, right? So I ended up buying a condo in the college area that I went to school. Um, Where'd you go to school, by the way? UC San Diego. Okay, cool. Yeah. Beach town. Nice. Um, it's great though. I love the condo while, while it lasted. Ended up that we kind of pretty much went up to the top of our price range and bought a condo. And I hate condos. I at this point I I've never <laughs> bought a condo again. But oh, Josh loves how- condos. Jo- they're, they're Josh's oh, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. Might be for the same reasons. We'll we'll find out. I guess as you continue the story. If Brandon went keep I'm, interrupting, I'm done. Zip. All right. So. um Great condos, got a pool. How cool is that? So that's why. And there's college students. So if I need to rent it out, I never have to worry about it. Ever. You know, it's brilliant. And HOE takes care of my stuff. How great is that? So all those turns out to be negative points. Um, (laughs) 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 Oh, college kids in the pool? College kids. Oh, exactly. With the HOA members. There you go. (laughs) Um, so we lived in there for four years, uh, as a primary residence. And then we moved on to the next condo I bought. That was great while we lasted. But then when we rented it out, we realized, oh, wow, it doesn't cash flow. So I forgot to do the cash flow analysis part when I was uh, young. Yeah. That was really stupid. So we're probably ended up losing about a thousand dollars a month leasing that apartment. Wow. And we really didn't like that. But, you know, at the time we could afford it. So we kind of say, oh, you know, 
we just move on to the next invest investment property. Did it as a primary um, as well, a condo, and then we kind of just went from there. Okay, so I, I I got my hand up. I I, I got a question. Sir. So your first condo, the the pool one, and then you went and bought a second condo. Which was the one that got the loss? Was it the first or the second one? It's the first one. Okay, so the first one. All right. So when you bought it. Was your intention to buy it for investment purposes or was the intention to buy it to live in? That's my first question. So the intention was to buy it, to live in it, and then when we grow out of it, we'll rent it out. Okay, but you, so you, you, didn't, you weren't thinking long-term about the actual analysis when you bought it, which was certainly one mistake. You said you made a bunch of other big mistakes in there. I, I feel like there's a story with college kids jumping off of balconies <laughs> into pools. I mean... <laughs> Where's, where's where's the fun part of this story? Oh uh, well, the fun part of the story. Do I really have to tell you? Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> uh, you're here on the air live with Brandon Turner and his minion, Josh Dorkin. Minion, I like it. Perfect. Well, you know that condo was great, and we had a lot of fun having turnovers every single year because it was a transient population. So I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. You know, students tend to be transient. They don't like their roommates. They move out and they don't really consider how much it is to, to change housing. So it costs a lot for me as, as we all know, turnover is the most expensive thing you can have. So every single year I was showing it and showing it and the way just the condo was set up, it was really difficult to show because there's like four different gates and you have to go to the front gate to walk the people in to the second gate and it was just super duper secure. It was very difficult and it was a lot of work. Gotcha. And, and then there's a whole bunch of new housing that came up in the area by the school. So rent just dropped and it was just... Um, gotcha. So okay. there's, I mean, there's a, f- a few issues there. I mean, one, obviously we talked about, which is the, the whole, you know, if you're going to buy with any intention down the line to do some kind of investment with it, you got to do the analysis, right? So we got that. Uh, two, it seems like the the difficulty of kind of accessing it was problematic. And I could see that certainly being a problem. The transient population, we actually just did a show last week, I think, or two weeks ago about college rentals. And, you know, I, I think if you take that in mind, like the, here's the, here's the beauty of real estate. I, I think it's just kind of important to talk about, you know, that doesn't work for you. That wouldn't work for me. I, I wouldn't want that population either, but some people focus on that niche. They thrive in that niche and they rock it on that niche. And that's that's the coolest thing about this business is, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, I'm going to be a real estate investor. I'm going to be buy and hold. You got to define it even more. You got to really narrow it down to exactly what you want to do within this business and figure out what's going to fit you and fit your long-term goals. So, you know, just because that didn't work for you doesn't mean anything. You found obviously your niche later um, and and we'll, we'll go there. Um, you had really quickly mentioned um, the HOA, and it sounds like HOA was an issue for you with this and potentially the other property. Is that true or is that not not at all the case? I, I, I want to circle back on your point. I actually thought that was a really great point that I wish I brought up because then I would seem more intelligent than I am now. <laughs> um, it's true. It's, it's, see, the thing I like about real estate is that I got to choose who I deal with. Right. So I'm kind of my own boss and depends on what you want to do. So, so the premise of this whole theory is that I'm a lazy person. I want to use my time really effectively. So I want to do the minimum amount of work to make enough money. So I don't want to be super duper rich and I'm not, I'm, I'm lazy. Right. So for me, it was management intensive. 
So it didn't work out. And, and it's important for people to kind of think about, well, what do you really want to get out of it? Do you want to have a big corporation and run a whole bunch of employees and that's fine or just kind of hang out? I'm going to interrupt you on that again. Hold on, because this, this is really fascinating to me. Um, no, because a lot of people come in here with this dream, like, hey, I'm getting into the business because I want to be, I want to be filthy rich. I want to have everything, you know, it sounds like you don't, you don't care. I mean, and, and I'd love to know exactly what your goal is. It sounds like, you know, as you call yourself lazy, I'm just using your words. I'm not calling you lazy at all. Um, but you know, it sounds like you want to just kind of build a portfolio that kind of takes care of itself that you don't have to work too hard for and, and kind of live your life at that point. You don't need to be a millionaire. You just want to kind of live comfortably off your real estate. Is that kind of where you're going? Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's kind of my goal. I, I've always liked to be lazy. So I wanted to find out how I can be lazy. I, that's why I don't do a nine to five job because it's a lot of work. You know, I have to be there all the time, do it the minimum amount of time and just have enough. So my goal is, actually, uh, you are lazy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm a landlord, right? Uh, yeah. That's why. <laughs> landlords don't do anything. They just Nothing. collect your rent check and they go and sip yep. on their martinis. That's right? all I do. You're, you're making a bad image for landlords. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people think that anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I don't know. I, I have a I have an income that I want. And I'm there, so I'm feeling pretty relaxed right now talking to you guys. Nice. <laughs> that well, is awesome. That's good. So, what, yeah. how, how many units do you have now? Then I have. She does need to come back to the HOA thing, by oh, the yeah, way. Oh yeah, yeah. We will talk about HOA. But how many units do you have? Fifty-one. Fifty-one units. Are they all single-family, multifamily, or what are they? Generally? Uh, mixture. Mostly single families. Uh, I've got a ten unit. I've got a whole bunch of duplexes. Okay. Okay. And those are all in San Francisco. I'm guessing not. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> some are in California and some is, um, in the Midwest and Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Um, now, okay. We're going to get into that. So before we jump into that, cause I want to talk about that, uh, HOAs, Josh will yell at me if I don't go back to HOAs, right? Josh? See? Okay. So what is the problem with HOAs? Like why do people struggle with HOAs or why did you struggle with them or, or, or did you even, uh, what's the issue with that? So many faucets. Oh my gosh. Um, first of all, it's super expensive. Okay. Yeah. Um, my HOA at the time was 485 bucks and it went from 385 to 485 over the course of a couple of years. Right. So, okay. 485, 500 bucks doesn't sound like that much, but what do you get out of it? You, you get landscaping, you get all this other stuff that I don't really care for. You get a pool. You get a oh, pool. You do get a pool and a jacuzzi. Mm-hmm. Um, hey now. Very expensive. <laughs> I mean, gym membership is much cheaper than that. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Right? And you true. get a pool. And the worst part for me is that you actually have to work with other people to do stuff, you know, modification to your own house. For instance, if you were doing plumbing, oh, well, every other Wednesday is the plumbing day and water gets turned off for the whole building because the way this buildings are what are the plumbing set up, you have to shut off the whole building to do any work in any individual units. So it's a huge collaboration between me and the plumber. And the tenants and the building HOA person, so it's a lot of work. Yeah, I don't do it, it anywhere. It adds an extra layer, right? I mean, it's just you know, it's it's enough work to actually manage your tenants and your property, but you know, now you have to manage the this group of people who are in charge of the HOA, and it, it adds a layer of complexity to to something, and that 
it puts part of the business out of your control is I think the biggest issue. Um, that's probably how I would phrase it. You know, there's, there's a bit of a loss. And, and so, you know, one of the reasons that we all go into real estate is so we can actually have more control than say stocks. You know, you buy a stock, you have no control over what the board does or the company or the CEO, you know, now you've got this HOA that's unpredictable. They may vote for something, decide to spend money here, you know, whatever it is. And, and, you know, suddenly your financials look very different, right? Absolutely. And then they even just back to the control, my, um, the second condo I bought, the HOA board actually decided that they don't want anybody to rent out any units for less than two years. So those are things that directly affect your financials. Yeah. Yeah. The common lease is one year. So things like that is why I don't work with HOAs. There yeah. you go. Yeah. That's right what I tell people too, is that somebody else is making your financial decision and it's a, uh, it can be dangerous. So. Oh yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. All right. So you've got 51 units now, mostly single family. I mean, how do, how does that happen when you live in San Francisco and you live in an area where a single family house costs more than like, I don't know, my entire town? Like how does that, <laughs> how does that happen? It's a long story. So we got time. Oh, we got tons of time. It's only in the morning. Yeah, Josh doesn't. He's going to sleep. But I got. T- I got time. Well, you know, so so we bought this condo, we rented it out, and we just kept buying houses or condo. Well, the second deal was a condo. Yep. The third deal was a single family home. The fourth has been single family homes and duplexes ever since. Okay. So at the time, we bought four different properties in California. And that's pretty close to the bottom of the market back in what, 2010, 11, 12 ish. Okay. So those properties were kind of my anchor properties because those are pretty much bought with a minimal cash flow. And my, my standard at the time was if it's less than $200 negative a month, I, I'm buying it, which is really rare in California because I thought, oh, well, rent appreciation, that's how you make money. Yeah. Right. So, um, and then those house has really appreciated. So we kind of took out the equity from our existing holdings and we used that to buy cheaper properties in the Midwest that cash flow really well. And uh, we've bought most of our portfolio in 2014 and 15. Okay. So, so here, here's an interesting, I had a conversation with a friend the other day who lives in Southern California and he was looking at a duplex that he wanted to buy. And this thing was like 500,000 and it rented out for a total of like $2,200 a month. And I ran the numbers and I showed him and it was negative $700 a month in cash flow. And I look, I showed it to him and he's like, okay, well, that's not bad. I think I might do it. And I was like, what? And then the longer we talked about it though, like this guy who doesn't even know that much about real estate, he was onto something. And this was kind of the philosophy that we talked about. And, and I'm not saying you should go do this. This is not what I'm saying, but here's his philosophy. He's like, I don't need cash flow. I've got more cash than I know what to do with right now. What I want is long-term wealth. He's like, so the cash flow is going to be offset by the loan being paid down every month. So those are going to cancel each other out over the long run. My loan, like the, the mortgage being paid down and the cash flow will, ne- will cancel out. So it's almost like I'm just like putting money into a savings account, but I'm buying in a great area of Southern California that I believe is going to go up in value. Again, that's playing the appreciation game. I'm not suggesting people do that, but it's an interesting philosophy, right? Like he doesn't need the cash flow. He, he makes a ton of money at his job or his business. I don't know. So what do you think of that philosophy? I mean, is that, is that smart? Is that really a bad idea to bet on that appreciation, hoping that's the only thing going to bail you out long-term is California prices doubling every year? <laughs> with, with, I mean, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to add something. I mean, $700 versus, you know, 200 or less loss. 
Mm-hmm. Not an insignificant uh, difference there, uh, but but yeah, what's what's your take on that? I mean, why would I ever spend money to lose money? There's uh, a business decision. Like I'm going to spend money to lose money. That's yep. that's um, that's a no for me. Apparently, I think it's crazy. Yeah, I I, I would not nuts. do it, but. But I mean, oh, well, well getting back to the negative 200, I, I always underwrite my properties with just way too many rules and usually I'm way overshoot for things. So in actuality, it will make about $2,000 a property on those negative 200 a month. Per so year. it's actually positive. Yeah. So okay. I, I, I really overshoot. So really, I will never pay money to lose money again, ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so here's the question, because I, I think a lot of people, um, let's call them, well, some people, they call themselves investors, but let's call them speculators because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. A lot of speculators or wannabe speculators hear about how, oh, you know, California is up, you know, 12% per year, 15, 18, 23%, whatever it is. You know, Denver is up, you know, 18% last year. Cool. I'm going to buy some property and, and get those gains. And it's okay if I lose a little bit of money just because something increased in the past does not necessarily indicate that it's going to continue to go up. But you're, you're somebody who actually said, you know, you're willing, to, even though you're making money on these and you're not losing the 200, you're willing to lose the 200 because um, you believe that you're going to get appreciation. So we, we don't really push the button on this a lot. And, and, and since I have you and you're willing to do that, I want to ask, what is going to be an indicator for you that prices are going to go up? You know, what are you actually gambling on? Because you are, you are doing a bit of speculation here. You're doing smarter speculation than the... Uh, probably the guy that Brandon was talking to and, and, and other folks, <laughs> but you know, but calculating that, you know, negative 200, just because you're going to make money over time with spec with, uh, appreciation. What do you want? What do you look for in an area? Um, what's an indicator to you that you're going to keep going up? See at the time, appreciation wasn't even part of my plan, to be honest. Um, it kind of just worked out that way. It worked out well for me, but I was thinking that rent is going to go up with, you know, inflation. So I know at exactly what point that, that, that was my thinking. It's not what happened, but rent was going to go up with inflation, which is what 3.54% a year. And I know exactly when I'm going to start making money. And with the cash flow, I will eventually have all these rentals that makes money. And um, to, to, to have a break even in my underwriting procedures, it's, I've never seen prices like that. So the best I could do was negative 200. And that is actually not a correct assumption. But that was at the time, that was my thinking. Right. And it turns out that appreciation, just because of the negative 200 guideline, that that pretty much kind of puts me at the bottom of the market or close to, you know, the bottom. And um, it worked out okay for me. But I, I, I guess I never planned to, to, to work on the appreciation approach. Yes, yeah, so your okay. strategy wasn't like my friends who specifically <laughs> okay. went into it, or he's trying to go into it knowing he's going to lose a ton of money. Uh, but yours was more of like you just went in because you didn't know any better and you bought them and yeah, and, exactly. okay, okay, cool. I thought it was I thought it was more intentional. So sorry, I I, I, I wasn't that smart. Sorry, <laughs> I uh, I didn't play that far ahead of time. <laughs> no, right but it, it worked for you, right? Like five years ago, I would have said that somebody would be crazy for buying a bunch of California real estate only, you know, counting on appreciation. But let's be honest, that person who bought a bunch of properties losing a few, uh, you know, five years ago in California made a lot more money than I did. Right. Right. So were they really that stupid or were they lucky? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's a, but that's why I asked the question on what do you, what do you look for? Because, you know, frankly, I don't know. I, I, I think if somebody knows the answer, 
to to buying appreciation. I, I I'd like to know it. You know, it's the same answer as you know. What's the answer to buying uh, and winning money with with stocks? I mean, I think yeah. it's long term play. Yeah. Um, so, over time, I mean, the speculation brings up to you have to time the market, right? So I don't time the market. What I do is I buy things that I can afford to keep. Yeah. So does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So it has to cash flow positive with margin in case. Yeah poop happens, right? <laughs> and I can't afford to keep it. So it doesn't matter where I buy it in the market. As long as rent doesn't plummet, I can't afford to keep this property. And over the long run, you always have appreciation in real estate. Like if you keep it for 30 years, most yeah. likely it will appreciate. So that's do my you, goal now. <laughs> do you calculate uh, a reduction in potential reduction in rent in your formulas? Uh, and this is a question I don't think either of us, Brandon, has asked anybody. Is that something that you include? Like, hey, rent might go down by, you know, 10, 20, 30% over the next couple of years. So maybe I shouldn't buy this. I don't, but okay. I do buy single family homes, which I think is a niche to protect myself from volatile red up and downs. So I think what, in my perspective, if you buy a single family home, you know, there's only so much of them. And it, it, suburbia development, it, you know, it takes a lot to develop a whole suburbia. And you only have so many single family homes. But if you have condos, you got competitors and people can, you know, build those up in like 12 months. Yeah. So that's kind of, if somebody's willing to rent a house, like, like I've got a tenant, you know, it's a mom and she has two sons and a granddaughter and she has to stay in a single family home. She's got grandkids, you know, yeah. she wants the yard to play with. So she's never going to move, right? I've got another family who has four kids and the kids are, you know, in elementary school. They're yeah. going to stay forever. So you have a niche and you have people who are staying there for a while and people are actually competing to get into a property. That's kind of yeah. my thing. Yeah. So, okay. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. 
How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Well, like, hey. yeah, I was going to say why don't we go to the like, I want to know how you're investing out of the area cuz right if we you know we started this talking about the if you live in an expensive area, it's hard to invest. I mean, there is the appreciation play you can get into. But how, I mean, how did you get into Wisconsin? I mean, what what made you say, I'm going to go invest over in Wisconsin? I mean, how's that happen? <laughs> I actually, I listened to your show uh, with nice. Moran and also with Brit Schmidt. Um, nice. And, and they're, they're the ones who actually gave me the idea of Midwest in the, in the general area. Okay. My, my parents uh, live in Chicago. Okay. So I was thinking, okay, what is feasible for me in the Midwest? I, I got to have somebody who's kind of on the ground to help me with this whole thing. And I just kind of drew a two-hour driving radius around where my parents' property is. And I said, I'm going to look at any city in this two-hour radius so that they can help me out with it. And um, so I did spot about four or five different cities that I was looking into. And um, I did a whole bunch of groundwork in the beginning, kind of contacting realtors, learning about markets. So I narrowed it down to a few different cities. And then I made a trip out there to see my parents. And we drove to every single town and spent a considerable amount of time there doing research. And Milwaukee just happens to work for me. Oh, cool. cool. So I, I love that, that you did that, right? That you, you got on a plane, you flew to Chicago, you went and visited those cities, you did the boots on the ground work needed. Uh, you know, it wasn't just like, I'm going to pick this random city because somebody on a podcast told me it was a good idea. Yep. And now I'm going to go buy a bunch of properties sight unseen because I heard somebody said that they're, you know, making money there. I mean, it was a good podcast. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that, that bigger pockets <laughs> show is pretty decent, but you know. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Well, cool. I mean, it, it, it's fun to go to the Midwest. It's so different than California, you it know? Is. And, it is. And, and they talk so cute. <laughs> <laughs> they say, a boat, a boat. Uh, it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> you should hear my mom talk. My, my mom's in Minnesota. My whole family's in Minnesota. So, you know, they all oh, have the cute wow. little Swedish accents and it's funny. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're investing, you know, overseas, quote unquote. You're investing at a distance <laughs> in, in Wisconsin. It might as well be overseas, right? Might as well be. Um, <laughs> Those Wisconsinites. No, I don't know. I have nothing bad to say about them. Um, I have but, a lot of but, bad. I have a lot bad to say about Packer fans, but we're not going to go there today. That's so. fine. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> that's not my thing. Although you know, this is the show following the World Series. Yeah, and, and yeah. it would. It would. Uh, I've got to say, my Mets lost. They did. Congratulations to the Kansas City Royals. They emerged victorious. They did not win. We lost. <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we referenced it last show, and I, I've got to bring it back up. I want to circle back to a, a really obvious fact. You are female, correct? 
last time I checked, yes. <laughs> so, no, I mean, oh, listen, we, we try to get, like, we try to be as balanced as we can, like guys, gals, you know, we, we, we have a hard time getting gals, uh, ladies, women to come on the show. I don't know why, but I think it's super important to talk to you guys because when we, when we look at our demographics on bigger pockets, when you go and look at the overall demographic of the real estate investor, it's very, very heavily weighed in favor of guys, of men. Yep. So, you know, I would not be doing my job if I were not to ask you about investing as a woman. You know, if you have run across or run into any situations where, um, you know, you, you face challenges uh, because of your, your sex. I did not expect to go there, to be honest. The whole gender issue and the feminism type of thing. But I, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I, um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Well, okay. Technically, I'm a real estate professional for tax purposes. But I stay <laughs> home with my kids, right? Yeah. I, I've got two little ones. Right. Just the cutest kids in the, in the world, pretty oh, much, yes. ever. Um, they sound it. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so I have young kids. They're under five, and um, I'm busy, you know, with just taking care of kids and and buying fifty one units. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, as a female, I, I guess the kind of just the arrangement we have in our family kind of enables us to to have somebody who's well, myself, dedicated full time to doing this thing that we want to achieve. And husband works for a tech company down in Silicon Valley. I used to be an engineer myself. That was kind of my profession by training. And I quit when I got babies and I stayed home and we're doing this full time. Well, I was doing this full time. So it, it worked out okay. A lot of people do ask me about it. I, I'm actually kind of working on that pitch. You know, people ask me, oh, what do you do? And I don't know what to say sometimes. I, mean, uh, I don't know. I'm a real estate I mean, investor. Real estate? Yeah. yeah. They say, my oh, wife, are you an agent then? <laughs> my <laughs> wife says the same thing. She really struggles with that question. Well, what do you do? Because she doesn't have a, you know, she doesn't go to Starbucks anymore. She used to work at Starbucks. You know, she manages her rental properties, but she's not an official property manager. She's a, she's a landlord, right? So she really struggles with that. Every time somebody asks her what she does, it's like, uh... Well, I, I have rentals and, you know, I don't know. It's weird. Like she's working on that pitch as well. Yeah. The, the landlord, the landlord question doesn't get good answers though. Usually it doesn't get good responses. Yeah. People yeah. It doesn't. Like, oh, you're oh, a landlord yeah. too. Slumlord. And that's the, and that's the problem. Yeah. That is the problem. That's why we do what we do. That is one of the reasons bigger pockets exists. Like we want to change that perception. I mean, yeah. we, you're, 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 you're a stay at home mom that's buying rental properties to take care of your family. I mean, Oh, you're, clearly you're a horrible person, landlord. I mean, it's <laughs> so silly. It's so silly. All right. So but back to this female thing. I mean, beyond being a stay-at-home mom and, you know, the, the actual ability to answer that question, I mean, have you faced any any issues, challenges, or no, nah, it's just kind of par for the course. I, this is what I do. And, I, you know, the reason I ask these questions is this. There are a lot of women who listen to this show, and at the end of the day, you know, I think we need more f uh, female role models in this in this industry. And so, you being a successful real estate investor who's running the portfolio, not your husband. He's not doing it. He's out, you know, gallivanting at uh, the <laughs> Silicon <laughs> Valley. Theater. Yeah. So you're busy doing this. I mean, so you are, you are a role model. And so, you know, we've got you on the show. There's tens of thousands of people and, and thousands of thousands of them are women listening to the show. What would you say to the women who are on the fence saying, you know, I, this is a man's world? I, I, I don't think that's true. I think it, it depends on the personality, right? Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think one of the biggest things I think is important in this show, uh, in this 
industry is that you have to be good at math and you got to do your cash flow analysis. So that's like the first thing that you need to learn how you make your money. Yeah. And you can be a woman or a man to do that. And I really haven't faced any challenges, not predominant ones anyway, as a woman. But I mean, I, I get talked down to every once in a while by the old timers, you know, be like, <laughs> oh, you don't know anything. Get, get your husband on the phone or something like that. I'm like, well, I am the husband. This is my company. <laughs> so you work with me, okay? Yep. So I've, nice. I've had that a couple of times, but it's, it's really not um, a big issue these days. But I've noticed there's predominantly um, male hosts or, or guests on your podcast. I counted them actually the other day. I think oh, it was nice. less than 10 women. <laughs> um, we, we honestly ask equal numbers. We just get shot down by a lot more women. It's like high school again. So oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. Speak for yourself. <laughs> no. Because I didn't have the nerve to even ask. Okay. That's true. Either. Yeah. You know, we just pretend we like, all right. So <laughs> let, let's go back to your, your out of the area investing, because again, there's a lot of people listening who want to do that. Now I got just a few questions to ask you like, um, like the basic, how did you, how do you find them when you live out of the area? How do you finance them and how do you manage them? Like those, the three questions, I guess I'll fire all three at one time to you. So I fly out to my properties quarterly. Okay. So every three, four months or so, I mean, I, I do a family trip too, right? Sure. My parents happen to live there, but I do go look at them and I do want to make sure that everything's going the right direction. So did you look the, for the, yeah. When you, do you go there and do you look for properties while you're there in person to go buy or do you buy them all online? Like I, I buy them all through, I have a pipeline set up, you know, it took a few iterations to, to get the right people to work for me. So I have realtors um, and a property management company that I really like to work with. Actually, they're, they're a husband and wife team too that I just kind of ended up happened that way. But uh, oh, cool. we went through went through like bowls and bowls of realtors before before we find the right ones that works for us. Yeah, and we find rehabbers or people who are contractors who does our our work for rehabbing. I we, we constantly kind of have little meetings, kind of autocorrect what's going on and make sure we're on the same page. That's the answer your question. No, yeah. that was very no, logical. That, no, that was good. What, what about <laughs> financing? I mean, that's kind of how you manage. That's how you do the contractor stuff. And you, know, you have realtors. So you're obviously buying on the MLS, correct? Yes. And then what about financing? Are you just doing typical bank loans? I mean, people always say you get shot down after 10 loans. You can't get any more. What are you doing? Well, we have equity and we have savings. Okay. Uh, we are kind of, uh, we save a lot. We save about 75% of our income. Nice. And, um, so we have, you know, we're ready for it, for it when, when, once the opportunity is there. And sure. then uh, after we use all that up, we do the burr um, method yep. and we did that for a few times with portfolio lenders. Okay. So we all bundled right. up, you know, a few properties together to kind of took some equity out. And then after that, I actually, I am currently working with a um, private lender, a particular investor who was interested in investing with me. I didn't really look for it as family, but it kind of just worked out that way. Sure. Nice. And so yeah. for those who don't know what you're talking about, the Burr strategy, just in case you've never listened to the show before and you haven't heard me talking about that, that's where you buy a property, you rehab it, you rent it out, and then you refinance it and you pull your cash back out. So you were basically, you'd buy properties, get it rented out, get it fixed up, looking good, and then you can get your money back so you can go and do it again. And you're using a portfolio lender to do that. That's correct. And what are the portfolio lender for those who don't know? A uh, portfolio lender is pretty much banks that manage their own portfolio, which means their own cash reserves. Um, instead of going to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, which is the Federal Reserve, for their mortgage funding source, um, they actually use their own money, which means that they're a lot more lenient on how they want to structure their loans. 
Okay. Okay. And, and you, I, I want to ask you one more thing about managing the, you know, the manager, managing the property manager. That seems like it would be difficult. I mean, I have a property manager who's terrible, who lives in my area. Oh, really? She's, I've just had terrible experiences with, with my rental properties with her. And, By the way, what the, the really quickly. Are you going to make fun of me for not firing her yet? <laughs> A and B. <laughs> it's it's astounding to me that you have not yet had your property manager listen to the podcast, and 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 I think maybe she does. <laughs> I, I think you haven't because you're definitely like afraid that she's going to find out how much trash you talk about. I her. do talk about. I know. I know. I don't want her to listen. No, I mean like. It's tough to manage a property manager. I mean, granted, I gave her two properties. One of them burned, so it's not even rented anymore, and we're dealing with insurance <laughs> on it. So it's 50-50 right now, and you know, I'll t- take care of the rest later, which I got more fun stories, but I'm not going to go into them. But uh, yeah, how do you manage your property manager? What do you do? What do, you, do you call them all the time? Do they just do things right the first time so you don't need to bug them? I, I used to call them every day. You know, now I, I talk to them probably like once every two, three days because we're still buying, you know, gradually. But yeah, so I, I guess there's a huge trust factor there too. I've gone through a lot of property managers too and they were just, Ugh. you know, they charged a lot and they didn't do the job. I, yeah. I was hired a property manager that took a month to rent out something that was totally rental ready. A month, well, a yeah. month. So it was, it was unacceptable. And but this particular company I'm working, <laughs> they're doing funny faces for those people who can't see it. Um, I can't concentrate. Um, anyway, so uh, these people are great though. I, I really love my property managers. So I talk to a lot of people on the phone. So it, it, it doesn't just come easier. It's not like I'm lucky or anything. I, I probably talk to like a hundred property managers on the phone. Yeah. Before I found the one who was just like, you know what, you're it. Yeah. What stood yeah. out for that one that was it? What was the one thing that stood out for them that made you say, okay, because, you know, 100 people, that's a lot. Uh, well, okay, this needs to come with some background. I used to be a engineering sales that sells heavy, oh, whatever, equipment, right? So I'm pretty good at telling apart bullshit with truth. And these people didn't lie to me on the phone. That was honestly the reason. When, when I hear lies, I can detect them. And these people didn't lie to me on the phone. They were very honest. They were straightforward and... They weren't the cheapest one, actually. Yeah. They, they weren't. But I believe that to have a good team, you need to feed them. Well, sounds bad. But you need to make it a win-win situation. Everyone's got to make money in this thing. Yep. And if you get what you pay for. So that's Perfect. kind of my thing. I heard them. I'm like, awesome. you're it. I mean, that's uh, great. Trust is huge. So I love it. It is. It is. Well, cool. Well, hey, uh, let's shift gears real quick. I know we could probably talk to you forever, but I think let, we could. I know. Let's shift gears and we're going to move over to the world famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right. The fire round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums and we're going to fire them right at you. Number uh, one. What are the pros and cons of buying a short sale? Somebody asked, what are the pros and cons of buying a short sale? I'm not sure if you've done short sales, but I want that was one of the questions we grabbed. So what are the pros and cons of buying a short sale? I've made offers on short sales and okay. they never really kind of come back um, timely. It, it takes forever. <laughs> you can get a really great deal every once in a while, but they do take a very long time typically. But sometimes they, it takes a couple months and it, I've had ones that has been lingering still lingering and I made yeah. the offer in 2012. Yeah, I got so. one of those too, right? I, yeah, every like six <laughs> yeah. months they're like, are you still interested? I'm like, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, exactly. So, nice. yeah. So. All right, cool. That's good. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, next, next question. 
how much, and I think you kind of answered this, but how much cash flow? No, you answered it back in the day. Today, how much cash flow for a rental property would make it worthwhile to you? So what, are, what is your criteria as far as cash flow is concerned today? 15% return on investment. Okay. 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 Cool. Got it. Oh, actually 15% net. So if you finance it, your return on investment is more closer to 40, maybe. Nice. 15, and I don't buy anything under 15. Okay. So 15 if buy now cash. Yes. Basically. Okay. Got it. So essentially sort of like, I know. 15 you know, cap. Yeah, 15 yeah. cap, but you don't really use yeah. cap for single family houses, but same kind yeah. of concept. All right. Same idea. Cool. Okay. And uh, which is, of course, you can get more easily in the Midwest than you're going to find in San Francisco. So Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yep. yes. Cool. All right. Next one. Are homes built in 1900 worth investing in? Should I even I- consider a house built in 1900? Like, like a, over a hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah. I personally wouldn't just because it's, it's probably on some sort of historic registry or something like that. And it costs a lot more to remodel them. But, um, I, in my portfolio, I personally like wrenches built in the 1950s. It's just, they've treated me well and that's kind of my niche. Okay. So I, I'm not going to, I don't personally. So. I think my oldest one is 1894. I think my oldest 1894. property. 1894. I think my fiveplex is 1894, I think. But yeah, well, I mean, it's just a nice old house, but yeah. I mean, I was know. there any difference in like uh, the amount of maintenance you have to do in terms of, if you that know? W- if that one is 1894, which I'm thinking it is, there there's like no maintenance on that one, but it's been cared for over the years. And that's what really matters, I think, more than anything is whether it was cared for over those hundred years. And that's hard to tell. So... I, yeah. yeah, I generally yeah. don't advise people buying them that old, but you can, you can do it. So, yeah. all right, Josh. Yeah. My brother's got a, a hundred plus year old house that uh, apparently the underground railroad kind of went through it or around it. I think they've got tunnels uh, under the home. It's, it's on the historic register and it's an absolute nightmare. It's, it's like uh, the money pit. If you guys remember <laughs> that Tom Hanks movie, yeah. but uh, yeah, anyway, all right, last question in the fire round. How can I find out what the differential is between the value of a distressed property and the retail value of SFRs in a particular area? So basically, you know, if I find a distressed property, how do I know it's distressed versus SFR or versus just a standard uh, retail property? I think it's kind of an obvious question, so I'll just throw that home run to you. How do I know it's distressed? To me, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm looking for 15 cap. So 15 cap, if you don't mean 15 cap, I don't care if it's your grandma selling it or the bank. I, I, to me, it doesn't make a difference. Hey, real, <laughs> so I'm, well, real quick on that 15%, I want to run back to that real quickly. When you say that, let's just say, for example, you find a property that you could buy for $10,000, right? But it needs $20,000 worth of work. So now you got 30 into it. That's the number you're basing your 15% return on is at 30, right? Not the not the 10. Total, yeah. Okay, total, total investment. investment, not just Correct. not just the purchase price. Okay, perfect. That's what I thought. Cool. Okay. Well, that is the end of the fire round. So why it don't is. we why don't we close the thing up by heading over to our world famous famous for all right, the famous four. These questions are asked of every guest, and uh, I'd love to know your thoughts. And I know you listen to our show, so you probably know what's coming. Number one, what is your favorite real estate-related book? <laughs> I don't read about real estate. That's the truth. <laughs> I thought about it. I wanted to sound smart, but 
I don't read <laughs> real estate. I like to read sci-fi uh, fiction. So oh. what happens is the husband reads it and he gives me like a Reader's Digest version. My nice. husband, <laughs> who doesn't do any real estate, is reading the real estate books <laughs> while you're reading uh, Larry Niven and other fun things. Yes, I like to read Martians and stuff like that. So, um, but but I, I do want to mention that the biggest, uh, the most influential idea I got from you know wealth management real estate book is probably uh, Kiyosaki's book, where at one part he mentioned that there's two types of, oh, there's two ways to spend money. You can either buy a liability or you can buy investments. So liability is things that you spend money on that you have to spend more money to maintain it, or investment which means you spend money and it gives you money in return so that has really kind of shaped my spending habits nice and that's rich dad poor dad the book correct yes correct perfect what's what's the best sci-fi book by the way just to add to our famous four we'll stack it because you're a sci-fi fan and i am too dune Dune? i tried to read it i couldn't get into it yeah i couldn't read that i'll try it again i saw the movie when i was a kid never fully watched it the david lynch one or you know the scary one with the big giant worm that goes and like yeah well yeah yeah, the the first three quarters of the book is hard to get into but then the next six books is just fabulous okay Uh, maybe i'll I'll keep trying i'll keep trying all right (laughs) you know you don't read real estate what about business do you read business books at all no i read the bigger pockets forum a lot nice that's a good that's a good business book yeah it is it's interesting to see people's ideas they they got tons of good stuff on there Fair enough. Fair enough. What about hobbies? What do you do for fun? You got your two little two little rugrats running around. What 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 do you guys do? We go to parks a lot, and then we wait around a lot for the kids to kind of finish what they're doing. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> sounds <kinda> very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I don't know. Sounds weird. I like to do math mathematical analysis. I, I know, that's just that's not weird. Thing. I I love math. I yeah. do, and, and it sounds really nerdy. I, Nerd alert. Nerdy. Nerd we, alert. We should have t-shirts, Josh, that say something like, <laughs> I love math. <laughs> Bigger I love pockets. Math. Really? Yeah. Real estate uh, investors are math nerds yeah. mostly. So. Yeah. Or, or science. You know, I like to read yeah. science magazines like Discovery yeah. or Scientific America or something like that. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. All right. My last question of the day. Naz, like Jazz, what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? I think doing the groundwork is obviously one of the prerequisites, but also, you know, as real estate investors, you, things are difficult. Like nothing was going to be easy, but it's all about how you can figure out a way to make it happen, right? So, so the people who are actually trying to think of it in a way to, to make what they want happen happen are, you know, the successful ones. And then the ones who are just like, oh, you know, it's too difficult or, you know, it's impossible. I don't want to do it. There's always a way to do it. And you kind of just have to get in there, spend the time and, you know, get on with it. Cool. Perfect. Hey, can I ask you one more quick question? Uh, and I know it's not part of the Famous Four. I just popped in my head. And I want to ask you, when did you... You said you listened to the Bigger Pockets podcast, that one with Mehran, where he talked about investing in Milwaukee. How many properties did you have before that? And then how many have you bought since that? Uh, Were you that, just at the four before that? No, I, I probably had a couple in Milwaukee. And um, I think I bought something like probably 10 unit, 10 doors in 2014 and the rest in 2015. So okay. this year has been a big year for us. Okay. So you had a few beforehand and then when you heard that podcast, that's what really made you commit to, to more. Okay. That's true. And I just want bragging rights. So I can be like, 
Well, yeah. Anyway, so what you're trying to say here is Bigger Pockets <laughs> is responsible for you having this well, big, kick-ass portfolio. Yeah. Entirely, and for me and my children's future. There you oh, go. So wow. Put, put the pressure on. <laughs> Nice. Well, you guys nice. are doing great stuff up here. You know, I, I really enjoy the shows. Oh, that's great. Hey, Naz, where, where, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find you? Bigger Pockets is probably the biggest place. Perfect. Best place. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, it's absolutely been a pleasure, a whole heck of a lot of fun. And uh, we definitely appreciate having you uh, you coming on our show. I can't even say things correctly, but we're, we're definitely glad you decided to join us. And we will look forward to seeing you on the site. Glad to be here. All right. All Thanks, right. Naz. Bye. Hey, take care. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. That was Naz Wang. Big thanks to Naz. She's awesome. She yeah. is rocking it, man. She is. She is doing really, really well. She's definitely passed me up. And, uh, you know, pretty soon she's going to pass up, like, Surge and the rest of the world. So, oh, challenge. I know. But yeah, but she doesn't want, I mean, that's the coolest thing. That about is cool, her. right? She doesn't, she doesn't to. want to. She doesn't need to. Yep. She's not in it for any kind of like, hey, I want to be the biggest. I want to be the best. Yep. I mean, she, she's building a portfolio exactly for her own purpose, which is to just kind of have have enough property to, to live off. That's fantastic. Yep. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's, it's something I've been thinking a lot more more about lately, you know, like we talk to guys like Grant Cardone, who's like, you know, 10 X your stuff and get a million properties and make millions of dollars. And, and then this is kind of the other end of the scales. You don't necessarily need that. You know, I was talking with uh, uh, Chad Carson, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, but me and him were just talking the other day about this concept that, you know, we all get into real estate investing for financial freedom, but then most, most people that get into real estate end up just like getting back into this race to achieve something. And then, you know, 50 years down the road, they're like, what the heck did I just waste 50 years of my life doing? Like, and then they remember, oh yeah, when I was a kid, I just want a financial freedom. And so like, yeah. why, yeah, why not remember that right now? And yeah, I thought that was just kind of a cool philosophy. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, listen, thanks so much for listening. Obviously, this is Bigger Pockets podcast. Obviously. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Show 148. Check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 148. And if you have any questions for Naz, I'll leave them for her there. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. Please spread the word. Let people know about the Bigger Pockets podcast. Let them know about the Bigger Pockets website. Tell people, share us on Facebook, Twitter, G, LinkedIn, whatever social networks you use. Share our content, share the site. Sh- invite your friends to join you on the site. Build your network on Bigger Pockets. It's a great place to be. Thanks for being a part of our world. And we'll see you next week at Show 149. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. Simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. 
So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R today and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.